So this passage um, is one of those that it's, uh, when we ask about miracles, people often say, I want to see miracles, but I don't know how to do them, right? Because what's a miracle? A miracle is a place where God works in extraordinary ways, extraordinary. Um, There is the miracle, think of some of the miracles of Jesus, turning water into wine. It is a natural thing that happens every single day. Grapes are filled with nutrient from the vine and water fills them and then they are taken and they ferment and they become wine. It happens every single day. The miracle was the time, right? Because how long did it take? Fill the jugs. Fill the jugs. And, and helping a lame man to walk, casting out demons, these are things that happen all the time. Helping the blind to see happens more and more now that we know how to do things. Helping the deaf to hear, cochlear implants now can do that in some amazing ways. There are miracles that happen every day. We have figured out how some of them work. Does that make sense? There is no less miraculous of the earth bringing forth vines because God has done something in the earth. Miracles happen every day. We just have to pay attention and understand. So in our yard, we have cherry tree. Anybody like those pie cherries, tart cherries that make your eyes cross if you don't put enough sugar on them? And uh, every spring, the, the thing is about 20 to 25 feet tall. And so every spring, as the fruit starts coming on, Elizabeth looks up into the tree and has a conversation with the birds that goes something like this. The bottom two-thirds are mine, the top third is yours. Deal? Right? Because there's no way we can reach it. When the fruit starts coming on, we, the kids will pick the low-hanging fruit, right? What is, low-hanging fruit is, is sort of a, a metaphor in our culture, isn't it? When you're a student performing and, and getting an A, the first low-hanging fruit you need to do is show up on time. The second one is turn in your, right, low-hanging fruit. It's easy to do, right? And we call it low-hanging because you don't have to do much. You just, right? And it's there low-hanging fruit. To, to get a little bit further up, you need a ladder. And as I said, Elizabeth told the birds every year, you can have the top third, and every year after we finish picking off, and we get the ladder out, and we go around, and we get a little bit higher, and then I pull you know branches down a little bit so people can reach it. Every year after we get our fill and we've shared some, I still look up and see all those cherries and I'm like, I wish I had a taller ladder every year. Passage this morning talked about seeing miracles and people healed. Does that sound like low-hanging fruit to you or is that something you need a bigger ladder for? Bigger ladder, right? But I shared with you what it was that set the conditions 
for the miracles to happen, loving people being accessible and wanting the best for them, right? So let's talk about that. Um, If you've been in a meeting with me or a Bible study, I ask a question at the beginning of, of all of those. What is that question, those of you who've been in that? Where have you seen God at work? This last week, I was in a uh, conversation with Nick Ficino. We're getting the timelines scheduled for our, our stewardship celebration and what we need to do before that. And he said, before we get started, I have a question. Every time you ask that, I have no idea what you're asking. And I thought, huh, I've asked this question for 15 years. I'm going to bet there are other people who have no idea what I'm asking. And so we had this wonderful conversation. And after I finished that conversation, I went home and rewrote my sermon because I thought, this is what I'm talking about with seeing miracles. Where do you see God at work? Now, there's low-hanging fruit. And what I told him was in Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23, there's a list of things called the fruit of the Spirit. Anybody ever heard of the fruit of the Spirit? It is not bananas, oranges, or strawberries. Get that out of your head. It is love, say love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, kindness, skipped one, and self-control. There are nine. I almost skipped kindness. Yep, thank you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these, there is no law. And what I said to Nick was, all right, so in in the course of human events, wherever you see those at work, wherever you see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control at work, you are seeing the Spirit of God moving. And the reason I realized he's not the only one who has this question is women's Bible study. When I asked you this question, those of you who are in women's Bible study, the first several weeks I always got, I see God in nature, right? And in my grandkids. That is low-hanging fruit, isn't it? It doesn't take much effort to see God at work in nature, especially in the springtime when the world is awakening, right? Or in the summer when, when the, the produce is coming on, or we get rain in the middle of a dry spell and you feel ah, relief. Or in the fall when it starts to turn colors, and the world shows the transition of the moment and, and that first crisp day where you actually need a sweatshirt instead of just the short sleeves. You know what I mean? And then in winter, I don't see God in winter. But anyway, when, when the snow covers the land, I'm kidding. To my wife, I'm kidding. She loves winter. Um, but... But it's sort of low-hanging fruit to see that. And as I talked with Nick, I said, okay, so, so think about the fruit of the Spirit. Whenever you see that, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control in human relationships, you're seeing the evidence of God. And when, when I want to see more and more toward the miraculous, the miraculous happens when we get further away from our natural inclination. And what do I mean by that? You are naturally predisposed to show that fruit of the Spirit to people you're related to, to yourself and to your family, right? You are naturally genetically hardwired 
because you want to see your DNA continue to a next generation. It is part of the evolutionary process. It is hardwired into you, and it takes a lot to go against that. And so when you see your, when you love yourself, uh-oh, there we go. You love yourself. I need somebody more skilled at tape than me. When you see yourself and you love yourself, when you're patient with yourself, when you are loving and patient with your family, that is the work of God. It is the work of God. It is the work of God. But let's be real honest. For some of us, loving ourselves is difficult, isn't it? For some of us, loving our families is difficult. We look and we say, what are you kidding? Love them? They're idiots. Have you spent time with them? Sometimes we say that about us. Love me? I'm an idiot. Have you seen me? What? True story, isn't it? Did you pray with me? God, there are some things you ask that are just too high. Can I please leave this hard stuff to the birds? I didn't write amen, but you all gave it. All right, you're like, oh, I agree with that. Have you seen my family? They're idiots. (laughs) I just want to mic Bruce and Melody some week. Just do the whole thing. It'll be awesome. God, there are some things that are too high. Loving myself, loving my family, being patient with myself, patient with my family, being kind, being gentle. Sometimes it's hard. And that's even with who we are genetically predisposed to be so. It's still hard, isn't it? So when you are, when it's difficult, what do you say? That's the work of God. When you are loving, when it's difficult, that's the work of God. When you are patient, when it's difficult. Anybody patient with yourself when it's difficult? It's the work of God. Anybody have children or siblings who are sometimes don't just open a box of stupid, but get the whole truck and open it all at once? Anybody got that? Cousins. And when you show them kindness and gentleness, that's the work of God. That's the work of God. Where have you seen God at work? This week I was with my cousin and they were just being a jerk. And instead of slapping them, I said, huh, sorry you've had a bad week. That's the work of God. This week, I was stupid on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, skipped Thursday, woo, and Friday. But I realized I'm just tired and I'm exhausted because so much is going on. And instead of kicking myself down, I said, God, help me do better. That's the work of God, my people. Sociologically, we are inclined to also show love and compassion to another group of people. 
a people who may be not blood-related, but we work together on a regular basis. How many of you have ever had coworkers? How many of you have neighbors? How many of you have people you see on a pretty regular basis? In the ancient, ancient world, this would have been your tribe. People you're not necessarily related to, but sociologically, you depend on one another for your well-being. And so, sociologically, genetically, over the last 15,000 years, we have, become, we have become predisposed to show those fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, to people who are like us, whom we know, our tribe. And so, when the work of God is, is there, is when we show these people that love and that grace, even when it's hard, especially when it's hard. And so, to show them, to be with your coworkers, how many of you have been with a coworker, and they were like, let's try this, and you were like, ah! Anybody had that moment? Yeah? Who said I've been around you? That was awesome. Yes. <laughs> oh, that was good. Right. And so in that moment, when you hear that and you're like, oh, there is nothing good going to happen from this. But the boss above them is like, well, sure. And you're like, oh, how do you love them in the midst of that? How do you show compassion in the midst of that? Do you go along? Do you just, do you dig your heels in and make their life, your life, and everybody else's life difficult? Or do you say, I'm going to do my best to make it so that this might succeed? That's the work of God, isn't it? And yet, for some of us, that is so difficult because we, we may struggle to love ourselves or our family, let alone, oh my gosh, have you seen the idiot, my neighbor? My goodness, have you seen them? I can't love them. It's when the Holy Spirit comes in and invites us to go a little higher. Would you pray with me? Nope, go back to the other prayer. That's the last prayer. That's the very, very last prayer. God, there are some things you ask that are just too high. Can I please leave this hard stuff to the birds? And when you love your neighbor as you love yourself, God shows up, doesn't God? God shows up. A little further out, as I climb the ladder to get more of the cherries, I go up further. The kids aren't so keen to go up as high. When we get a little bit higher, it gets a little bit more difficult. God doesn't just call us to love the people in our family or those people who are like us, our people. God calls us to love and welcome the stranger. In Exodus, God said, welcome the sojourner among you, the refugee, because you were strangers in a strange land. Mm -hmm. When Jesus is asked, who is my neighbor? He tells a story about a, a tribe and a stranger caring for a stranger, the Good Samaritan, right? This last week, there was an amazing story, don't know if you saw it, about love being extended between a stranger, this, this young boy in the uh, Little, League, Little League World Series 
threw a pitch, hit the opposing team kid right in the ear. Ended up most of it was taken on the helmet, but the kid was down and in shock. And if you heard the video, you heard the umpire say, oh, dear God. Because as he saw this little kid twitching on the ground, he thought, we're, we're going to the hospital. And the pitcher was later uh, interviewed, and he said, I thought I had hurt him really bad, and I was afraid he was going to have to go away on a stretcher. Kid got up, took first base, everybody clapped, everybody was relieved, right? But the pitcher was still in shock. He recognized his action could have done great harm. And in that moment, as he is breaking down into tears, unable to continue, the kid who had been beamed in the head with the ball leaves first base and goes and gives him a hug and says, it's going to be okay, you've got this. This is love for a stranger, isn't it? How many of you saw this story this week? It was all over the place. Why? Because it's a place we see God at work. This isn't just low-hanging fruit. This is a little bit harder to get to, isn't it? The trolls came out on this one too. They said, that kid shouldn't have cried. He should have just gotten on with the game. And other people said, the kid shouldn't have hugged him. He was on the other team. Shut up. You are the voice of the devil. Get behind me, Satan. This is the work of God. And those who don't understand it, don't understand God. Do you understand what I mean now when I say, where have you seen God at work? When you show love to the stranger, when you show compassion to the stranger, you're getting away from that low-hanging fruit and you're reaching a little bit higher. When you show, when you see somebody on the side of the road and you never stop because God only knows what they've got in there, right? And you see somebody and you pull over and you go, Jesus, save me, and, and you go and help them. Helping the stranger. That is the work of God. That is the work of God. That is a miracle, isn't it? Because let's be honest, how many of you have ever raised a 10-year-old boy? Three of them, two of them. How emotionally aware are they at 10 years old? That was a miracle, wasn't it? Every time you get outside of your DNA hardwired predisposition to show love and compassion and grace, or your sociologically preconditioned ability to show love and grace, and you begin to open that up, That's the work of God, my people. And that's where miracles begin to multiply. But it's hard because some strangers are stinky, aren't they? Some strangers are just plain weird. Some strangers you look at and you go, whoo. There was a gentleman who came into a church uh, when we were in Mooresville. I had his son in youth group. His name was Tom Ditch. Tom uh, was about 6'5". 350, wore leathers, had a beard down to here, had a gun, had a chain. It was a biker. And when he came into church, people walking down the hallway sort of went, woo, around him, right? Because they were like, scary. 
He sat down in the back of the service. Nobody talked to him. And in that day, we did passing of the peace because it was okay to lick people. Just kidding. Shook hands, gave hugs. And Bex was, uh, what, about eight, seven, about seven. Went up and gave him a hug. Broke his heart. So I got to know Tom, who was a stranger. I had already talked with him a few times, but I got to really know him. And he began to share more of his story about how he sang with Bill Gaither. Yeah. He went on a tour of the world, 250 concerts in a year. That'll give you lose hair loss, among other things. He was a Pentecostal preacher. Amazing man. We don't get to know those stories if we just stay in our family and in our sociological bubble. But it's hard sometimes because people sometimes look scary, don't they? And to pray with me. God, there are some things you ask that are just too hard. Please let me leave this hard stuff to the birds. Jesus didn't just say that we should love ourselves and our families and love our neighbor as ourselves and welcome the stranger. Who else did he say we should love? Our enemies. We got to be specific. This should cover everything. Love your enemies. This is probably the most difficult ask, isn't it? This is where we just leave it to the birds. It's hard to love your enemies. 2020, um, we had Black Lives Matter protests sweeping the nations. Y'all remember this? And there were several cities where there was a lot of violence, but there were several cities that weren't. And there was a difference in the response. In the places where violence was decreased, there was a reaction by the police and the leadership that was much different. There was also a reaction from the protesters that was much different. One of my favorite pictures is a gentleman who brought water to the police on one of those hot days. And that happened at multiple places around the country, but we only saw a few pictures spread. It was more easy to spread the ones of buildings burning and cars flipped over and people running from tear gas. It was easier to spread the fear amongst us than to show where there was love across the lines of people who were being called enemies of one another. Here in Lafayette, when that march happened and the group got to the city county building to the police station, there was Mayor Rosworski, Mayor Dennis, and both chiefs of police. And they did exactly what you see there. They knelt and they approached the protesters and they said, we want to see everybody get home safe. 
there was some destruction and some violence that night, but it was highly limited compared to what happened in other places because the people in this community said, we are going to go across the lines and say, I will love you even if other people say you are my enemy. It happened here and around the nation. People chose to say, I'm going to love you I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to take time to try and understand, and we'll work to see what we can do differently. A more dramatic image, if you remember the beginning of the Ukraine war, when Russia, so well prepared for the battle they had planned, ran out of gas on the way in, and you had Ukrainians come up and offer a tow. Of course, they said, I will take you that way back to Russia but they gave bread and water to these stranded soldiers who literally were there to kill them. Oh God, some of what you ask is hard. Could I just leave this to the birds? When we love our enemies, when we pray for those who persecute us, God shows up. God shows up. What does this have to do with healing? Many of our diseases have root in us caring too much emotionally and mentally. How many of you during the midst of the pandemic found yourself more exhausted more easily? Anybody? How many of you found yourself less patient? Okay. In the midst of, of trauma, whenever we are in distress, we are more susceptible to illness. You know what helps decrease stress? There are coping mechanisms, but one of the best thing is a loving and supportive community. Somebody who walks alongside you and says you're not alone. When you love yourself, your family, your tribe, the stranger, it creates space in you to be well. And even if it doesn't heal the problem, you have expanded your resources so you can do better. You want to see miracles happen, my people. Love God. Love your neighbor, your family, stranger, and the enemy as you love yourself. I don't know where you are on the ladder. I don't know. Sorry, that side can't see the ladder. I need two ladders for next service. I don't know if you struggle to love yourself, maybe you need to say, this week I'm going to go for the low-hanging fruit of loving myself and loving my family. If you're doing good at that, maybe you need to look at loving your coworkers. God, please help me to love them. Maybe I'll stop by st start by stop calling them an idiot. That might help. You might really excel at all of that 
and need to look for somebody who is not like you to go and love. Be intentional about it this week. And I'll be honest and confess that I'm struggling with this one right now. Because I have people who are trying to tear my church apart who have set us up as enemies. It's hard. It's hard, isn't it? So this week, could you try and go a little bit higher and get a little bit more fruit this week? Could you do that? Can you do that? Take some time, evaluate where you are, and get just a little further reach. And you will see God at work. Is it easy? No. It's not easy. Is it worth it? Sometimes. There are times I'm not sure it is. I'll be honest, I struggle. You pray with me. God, please help me extend the work you are doing in me and through me just a little further this week. This year as we pick cherries, we have a neighbor who moved in. Uh, her husband is Hispanic. She is from Georgia near Ukraine and was meeting people. And so after we, we picked a court, we took a bag to her and said, welcome to the neighborhood. God bless you. And uh, she was ecstatic and um, had no idea what to do, so we included a recipe with it. I told Elizabeth, if I had a bigger ladder, we, we could share more. She said, she's afraid I'm going to fall off the one I've got. (laughs) My people, when you extend your grace a little bit further, you take away from the birds what God intended for you. You cannot be replaced by birds. You are miracle makers and wonder workers. That's who you are. Do you want to see miracles? Go and love people. Set the conditions so that the miracle can happen. Pray with me one more time, please. God, please help me extend the work you're doing in me and through me just a little further this week. Amen. Thank you for being here. Next week, I'm going to ask you the question I always ask. Where have you seen God at work? And I hope you can say, sit down, let's talk. Mm-hmm.